Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark may be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Do you want to talk with me around sex and disability on Twitter? Follow me at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag Disability After Dark. Hey guys, thanks for coming out to episode 23 of Disability After Dark. Really, really excited to share this episode with you. This one's going to get deep, going to get real, and we're going to have a deep, deep conversation about about vulnerability. That's what I want to talk about today, vulnerability around sexuality and disability. Before we dive right into sex and disability and vulnerability, I want to talk about what I believe vulnerability to be and kind of my experience around vulnerability and what I've learned as a disabled person when we talk about what vulnerability is and what it means. Being vulnerable and having vulnerability is seen as the quality of being hurt or attacked. We're taught that this isn't ever something we should want to be or strive to be. We're taught that this idea of vulnerability is inherently bad. Being vulnerable makes you weak, makes you less than, makes you unimportant, makes you less strong, makes you basically a weakling. We're taught that vulnerability is not a good thing. It is never something we should, we should strive for or, or want to achieve in our lives. Disabled people are constantly housed in this space as weak, as vulnerable, as less than. If you look at any popular discussion around disability, vulnerability is one of the things that we talk about. Disabled people are seen as vulnerable populations in almost every piece of literature around disability, the word vulnerable somehow comes up. Here's how the government of Australia sees a vulnerable person. A vulnerable person means A, a child or children, or B, an individual aged 18 years and above who is or may be unable to take care of themselves or is unable to protect themselves against harm or exploitation by reason of age illness, trauma, or disability, or any other reason. Right in the definition, you can see that disability is squarely there, which which highlights that people with disabilities are seen as weak or less than. And this, the, as I was doing the research for this little intro piece into vulnerability here, I found disability in, in a whole slew of definitions about what a vulnerable person or vulnerable population was defined as. And so, I mean, that kind of sets the tone for how disabled people tend to be seen in in the population. And so what happens is we as disabled people work really hard to fight against that stereotype and against that stigma of vulnerability. We as disabled people have been taught to be strong 
to be really, really powerful, to be, to rise above, to fight against our disabilities. All of this was done to, to move past this vulnerable, weak persona that we've been given. There's a belief in the, within the disabled community, and there was a belief strongly within me for a long time, still sometimes now if I'm quite honest, that to be, that I can't be vulnerable because I'm expected by society to be vulnerable. So I have to create this armor around myself when I am engaging in relationships with people where I have to be above everything, I have to understand everything, I have to be smart, I have to say the right thing, I have to create this persona of strength so that I am not seen as weak by a potential partner or date. That really happens to me all the time, even now. Sometimes when I'm engaging with individuals that I like, I put on this persona because I want them to see that I am not this weak, weak person that they may presume. I almost said presume, but that's not the right word. Presume that I am because I am disabled. For this episode, in an effort to really understand what vulnerability meant for me as a disabled person, I looked into other people's work. And one of the people that I was drawn to in looking at this discussion around vulnerability was Carrie Wade. She is somebody who we've had on the show before. She's a great voice in the disability community. And I wanted to review one of her pieces where she wrote about vulnerability to see how I felt about it and to see where what she was saying connected with me. So I want to talk a little bit about that piece. Now when I've talked to Carrie about it, she has given me permission to speak about this piece on this episode. In the piece, she talks about the right kind and the, the wrong kind of disabled. She is the right kind because she's able-bodied looking enough that she doesn't scare people away. She doesn't make them think that she needs help. She doesn't evoke this sense of pity because she isn't sitting in a chair. So she looks the right kind of disabled. She looks good enough to be part of the discussion and to, to pass in a, in, a, in a way that many of us with disabilities don't have the privilege to do so. She talks about that because she's good enough to pass, she still had these feelings of vulnerability and that she was with a partner having, talking about sex or, or you know, having sex with a partner and the partner said, oh, you have a vulnerability thing. And she was kind of taken aback by that. And people have said this to me before. People have told me in many different kind of ways that I'm too needy, I'm too much, I am too, I, I ask for too much, I expect too much. And I have always taken that to be a slight against me. I've always taken it to be something bad. I've always taken it to be something that really wasn't allowed when, we ha when I was engaging in sex with other men. And when a guy told me that, I would just get really, really angry with myself really, really upset with myself for allowing them to see that side of me. I would get really upset and I would quiet myself and I would give myself these rules wherein I wasn't allowed to 
I remember I was with a guy once and we were having really good sex and it was really, really fun and we were naked in bed and we were doing stuff to each other and we were, I don't, I don't know what we were doing, but we were having what I would presume to be good sex at the time. Now I would say that it was horrible sex actually if I was to look back at it, but at the time I thought it was the right kind of sex where we weren't saying much to each other, there wasn't much discussion, there was no... We weren't really engaging with one another at all. We were just going through the motions, blindly having this sex. And I remember being so proud of myself, so proud that I didn't say anything, that I didn't speak, that I didn't ruin this moment between he and I. And I remember just saying, like, good for you, Andrew. You didn't say anything. You let the moment just be, and you didn't have to speak through it. When all I really wanted to say was, oh, this feels good. Oh, I like this. This is important. Like, keep going. This feels really nice. But I was very proud that I didn't ruin it with my feelings. And I remember kind of mentally patting myself on the back and saying, good for you, Andrew. You didn't ruin this. We're going to play some ads right now, and we'll be right back. Right here on Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been sponsored by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at comeasyouare.com with coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Darren, and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I went through a pretty intense period where I didn't want to have any emotion in the sex I was having. I didn't want to be, didn't want to feel things, didn't want to say anything, because I didn't want to ruin that moment. I didn't want to be the vulnerable, disabled guy who was having feelings. I was very, very careful to, to not anything and I I like I said I remember being very sure of myself in not saying anything and being very quiet in the sex I was having and I honestly believed that if I had quiet sex where I emoted when I was supposed to and I said what I, I said fuck yeah fuck yeah that feels good and that's the only level of emotion that I had during the sex I was having the sex right I remember I was having sex with a fuck buddy one time and we were having really good sex and we weren't saying much and it was really hot and we were in the shower having sex and I we just the sex kind of just happened and I remember at the end of it he had said to me you know I'm really really excited that you didn't say anything then it was really hot that you didn't speak and sometimes you talk too much during sex and I felt so much shame when the person said that to me so much hurt it was like this hot poker in my soul when someone said that to me because I just felt like I am too much. I can't ever say what I really want in bed because I am too much and I have to be quiet and I have to perform sex the right way because I believed that nobody wanted to have sex with the vulnerable disabled guy who was going to feel things. I had to be perfect in the bedroom. I couldn't let them see that this might mean a lot to me, that this sex was important to me, that I was feeling all these feelings and I didn't quite know what to do, so I just stayed quiet because I wanted to please everybody. I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. 
the more and more that I would perform this this quiet, stoic, sexy, fuck yeah, fuck me kind of sex and not say anything, I was proud of myself because I was performing it right. But it was really hard for me to feel all these things and never be able to emote them, never be able to say them, never be able to share them with the person I was fucking. And in all honesty, when they would leave me after the sex, the feelings would bubble over and the feelings would intensify. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I basically learned within those moments that I'm a fuckling. I am definitely a fuckling. And let me explain to you guys what a fuckling is right now. So you know how when a baby duck is born and it sees an adult for the first time and it imprints itself on the adult and it's really adorable and it does that thing where it follows you around for a week and it's like your best friend and we all love seeing those baby ducks in videos and we think it's really cute. Basically, I am that guy after sex. The minute we fuck and the minute we've had our moment together, I immediately imprint myself onto you and I imprint myself onto the moment we had together and I get kind of attached. I get kind of intense. And I'm happy to own that part of my experience now. That it took me a long time to go to a place where I was okay owning that I was intense. I'm basically, you know in the movies when the guy and the girl have sex or the guy and the guy have sex and then one person wants to cuddle and one person wants to be a little bit more clingy than the other person? I am the clingy person that's like, hey, let's let's do things with let's do things after this. Let's be together, let's have emotions, let's feel this, let's enjoy this, let's talk about this. Do you want to see me again? Let's hang out. Like, I'm the one, the minute the door closes after the sex we had, I'll text you and be like, hey, let's talk about this. Did you enjoy yourself? Want to hang out? Anybody who's had sex with me will say that I, that's the kind of person I am, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm not ashamed to put that out there. I think that vulnerability and that honesty is really sexy, and I think that being able to share that with somebody and be honest about that is something we don't do enough in the bedroom. And I think as a disabled person, getting to that place has been a really long and hard journey for me, but I appreciate that I'm there now. And I wouldn't turn back from that at all. I appreciate that my disability has allowed me the opportunity to be able to say how I feel and say what I want in the bedroom and say that this feels good and say that I'd like to see you again and say that I that this that I want to spend time with you and it, it's allowed me to be afraid of those moments but to be actively afraid and to actively tell you what I want and I don't think what so many of us get the chance to feel these things because we're not supposed to we're not supposed to and my different body and my different experience says fuck it just say how you feel just see what happens. Go with go with that. Let them know for real how you feel. And it doesn't matter because this is your shot. Take it. Say how you feel. I love that my disability has given me the chance and allowed me to be so vulnerable with somebody and to really share myself. So when I have sex with you, I'm really sharing those moments with you and I'm sharing who I am. And I'm not, I'm learning to divest myself of all these pretend versions of myself that are supposed to be sexy and supposed to be the right way and supposed to have the right kind of sex and my disability allows me to say you know what I'd like you to go slow I'd like you to slow down and enjoy this with me or I'd like to see you again or after I come in your face or you come in mine 
we can spend some time together. I'm allowed to say that because I'm disabled and I'm different. And yeah, my disability does make me intense and does make me, you know, feel things a little bit more intensely because of the ableism that sometimes restricts me from having the sex that I want. But I, when I do have sex, I get to feel all of that. And that vulnerability is one of the sexiest things about the disability experience. In doing research for this episode, I watched a lot of Brene Brown, and she talks a lot about vulnerability, and she talks a lot about how important vulnerability is, and what vulnerability really means, and why it's so critically important to how we connect with one another. And I watched a lot of her for this, and I really enjoy what she said. I enjoyed that she talked about how being vulnerable means caring with your own heart, and loving with your own heart, with your... Not with your own heart, with your whole heart. Being vulnerable means being present in the moment with your whole experience and feeling all of that. And when I have sex with you, as a queer, crippled, disabled man, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm offering to you. I'm bringing you into this experience of vulnerability with me so we can share it together. And I hope that when I fuck you or you fuck me or we have a moment together, aside from just the nakedness, you're feeling all of what I'm feeling, and I'm sharing that with you. One of the things Brene Brown talks about is that you have to let go of who you thought you were in order to really feel true connection. And that's, I think, the heart of sexual vulnerability, is that we, when we have sex so many times, we don't let go of who we think we're supposed to be when we're fucking. We create these characters in the bedroom that we think are sexy we think are what our partners are going to want to fuck these characters who are not our authentic selves and I did that a whole lot of times with partners I was with what I'm learning to do now is to divest myself of all of that and simply be my weird geeky awkward self that isn't a character that's just Andrew having sex and it's been such a hard journey to get there been such a tough road to get to that place where I can show you myself for real and let you see what I really want. I truly believe that vulnerability is the willingness to do something first, to be afraid of that thing first, to not really want to do it, but knowing that you have to do it, that it's necessary, that it's part of the experience. And if you want to be authentic to yourself, you have to do this thing. And when I have sex with you, but when I'm engaged in a romantic relationship with somebody or I want to engage with somebody, I am the one t to say it first because I have to see what's going to happen. I have to know what the outcome is. and I want, I, There is no guarantee with vulnerability, but it's one of the most beautiful things that my disability has allowed me to experience, to be afraid of all that stuff. And I'm terrified every single time I engage in sex with anybody. I am terrified, and that, that is my vulnerability happening to me. And I love that it comes out, and I love that it's there, and I feel it, but I'm scared of it every single time because I know there's no guarantee, and I have to feel it. I have to feel it through the experience of sex and knowing that this person might not come back and knowing that this person might not want to spend time with me and knowing that I'm giving this up and I'm spending this moment without a guarantee that's terrifying, but it's completely necessary for me to enjoy the moment. And I truly believe that my disability has afforded me all of this stuff 
and has allowed me to feel all these things. And without my disability, I might simply be going through the motions of sex. I might simply be going through the feelings of sex without really feeling it. And thank God that my disability has allowed me to feel all that. And so I am okay with being a little bit of a clingsore. I'm alright with being a little bit of a fuckling. I'm okay with all of that because it's allowed me to be comfortable with who I am. And let me be clear, as much as I love my vulnerability in the bedroom and I think it's so important for me to be able to share that with you, it's taken me a fuck long time to get there. I'll say it again. It's taken me a fucking long time to get there. It's not something that I simply surrendered to and was like, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable now. It's something that I fought tooth and nail along the way to get to that place where I was okay with that. And there are moments where I'm not okay with it. And there every single time I feel the vulnerability happening, as much as I may enjoy that it's there, I'm also like, shit, I have to feel this now. And I, I have to be the one to feel it. I'm always worried that the other person isn't feeling it as intensely as I'm feeling it. And I'm always worried that because of the way we have commodified sex, and we've turned sex into such a regular part of what it is that we do, especially in my experience as a queer disabled person, sex is simply how sometimes we say hello. So I'm always concerned that my partner isn't feeling the feelings that I'm feeling and isn't having the emotions that I'm having and isn't sharing in this moment entirely. And so as much as I enjoy vulnerability and being my authentic self in the bedroom. And when I get naked with you, I actually get naked with you entirely with my soul. There will be a whole episode on nakedness soon, don't worry. But where I'll actually be naked for the episode. Yeah, let's picture that. But I feel like sometimes I'm feeling it way too much and it scares the fuck out of me. And there are moments where I just don't like it. So don't think that I simply am like, oh yeah, I'm vulnerable, it's sexy. It takes a long, long time to get there and to be okay in that place. To be alright there. To be comfortable feeling exposed as a disabled person is really, really hard. What my disability has taught me, especially in the sex that I've had in my life with other men, is that we numb vulnerability. We numb it. it it's quiet. It's something we don't share in the bedroom and it's something especially for me as sex as having sex with other men as a disabled man it's something we don't ever want to share it's not sexy it's not part of our queer male-on-male fuck fest thing we have that isn't sexy although i think it's fucking hot i think it's really attractive but we cannot numb our emotions and I was doing that for a long time. And I think many other men, people who, anybody who has sex with somebody with a disability is probably numbing their emotions of, of fear. They're numbing their emotions of discomfort. They're numbing their emotions because they don't want to offend the person. And I say, you know what? If you're lying in bed with me and we're fucking and you're scared of it, say it. You're scared of this? Tell me. I want to know. If we're going to have great sex... And we're going to be connected. I need to know this. I need to know why you're scared. I need to know what it means. I need to know how this feels for you. And I think when we have sex, like I was saying earlier, when we just say things like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, I think what we're doing is we're numbing our emotions. We're numbing how we feel. We're not really telling the truth. 
And if we were to be real vulnerable, we'd probably say something like, oh, yeah, this feels really good, or oh, this feels great, or keep doing this, or go harder, or I'm not sure if I like that, or I'm not sure if I'm sure you can do this, or we'd have all of these different ways of speaking that I don't think we do enough in the bedroom. And my disability has allowed me to tell you exactly what it is that I want and exactly what it is that I'm feeling. But that doesn't mean I'm not scared of it the whole freaking time. Please know that the whole time I'm terrified. Absolutely terrified. So I invite you to have vulnerable, naked, soul-crushing, fear-mongering sex with me where we're afraid of the whole thing the whole time and let's enjoy that together and see what comes of it. I invite you to have sex with your whole self with me and I invite you to share in the gifts that disabilities allow me to be vulnerable with you and let's let's share in that vulnerability together. Let's not pretend anymore. Let's not try to perfect the sex we're having. Let's just have it together and see what comes of it. Let's have some great crib sex together and let's thank vulnerability for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring sex and disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, exciting, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash and pledge if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and the music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza Shining a bright light on sex and disability.